0: Welcome to the Writing to Get Business podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your writing skills. Every week, you'll hear tips and strategies to support your writing. Pat Iyer is your show hostess, a ghostwriter, editor, and author who has written forty-eight books. Sit back, relax, and listen. Here's your hostess, Pat Iyer. Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business, and I have the pleasure of bringing you. Terry Pappy who is a person I've gotten to know through National Speakers Association Terry is a a coach a business strategist and works with speakers using her broad skill set and knowledge about business building and how you show up for your market Terry welcome to the podcast
1: Hi Pat it's wonderful to be here and it's always great to hang out with you
0: Well thank you I know that you have gotten involved in content creation, and you're one of the more prolific people in my life in terms of creating books and articles and podcasts and worksheets. Tell our listener how you got from zero to your first book, because I have found that that is a challenge for many of our listeners is, how do I get started with writing my first book? What was that like for you?
1: Well, it's interesting. I've always loved writing and loved, you know, being creative and artistic. And so my career choice was a creative one. So I went to art school and learned, you know, vocational art, commercial art. And so I've had a career, a wonderful, diverse career in pretty much every touch point you could imagine regarding, uh, you know, graphics, communications, marketing, and so on. And one of the things that has always kind of been a ride along skill has been my interest in, in natural ability in copywriting. And I almost went into, you know, went to journalism school and made creative writing a full time career. But uh, it, like I said, it kind of came along as a sidecar. Mm-hmm. And I found that the more I wrote, the better I got. And so it was always there in the background. It was always something, I don't want to say I took it for granted. I knew I loved it. I knew that I enjoyed it. I knew I had a natural talent for it, but I never really cultivated it. And so my uh, what inspired my first book, which was 14 Days, Loving Life with the Love of My Life, is a memoir. And it was a personal experience And a lot of people that i meet who have either written or are compelled to write their first book it's typically being driven by a very strong compulsion to share an experience or a something that they're seeing or noticing in life that they want to address that they feel very strongly a need to address whether they do that as a professional means, meaning it's something in their industry that they're seeing that is not being done right, or they have an idea of how to do it better, or they want to just put it on stage through a book and write that story. Or it's people who have gone through a life-changing experience that has been, you know, either incredibly traumatic or uh, you know, something that has totally changed their perspective on life and what they want to do with their life and how they approach everything, you know, like maybe getting laid off a job and then starting their own business or having a traumatic uh, accident where they had a long recovery journey or they were a victim of some sort of abuse or crime and they want to share their story. So, What I've experienced in working with other writers and my clients who have taken on books, it's usually driven by something like that. Mm. Um, And that is more in the nonfiction genre, if we're going to be genre specific. So for me, what did it for me was my personal experience of needing the love of my life and three years into our marriage, um, him being diagnosed with level four melanoma. Hmm. And we went through six years of cancer treatments and the barrage of things that unfortunately cancer patients have to face. And he passed away in 2004. And I remember when he, after he passed away, I discovered a journal that he had kept that was one of the many things we were trying to deploy, you know, as a way to soothe his stress and anxiety or give him an, an outlet um and you know chuck was a he was a guy's guy you know and he wasn't into this journaling stuff and so it was pretty funny how we had the conversations around well honey why don't you try it and i had to kind of explain what it was and how to use it and and so he's like okay and he picked out his journal and you know i never saw him writing i said this is private it's for you you do it when you feel like you want to do it it's it's meant to soothe you and so Um, I kind of forgot about it. And then it was, I remember it was a couple weeks after the the dust had settled from the funeral and the, you know, all of that stuff, everybody had left town, you know, going back home. And here I am sitting in my living room by myself, just going, now what? Right. And I remember sitting there and I, excuse me, I looked across the room to my bookshelf and I saw this one book and I was like, it was spiral bound. I'm like, what is that? Like, I didn't recognize it. It's not like I had thousands of books, right? I had maybe a hundred. And I was like, that doesn't look familiar. So I get up and I go over and I pull it out and it was his journal. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that (laughs) I forgot all about this thing. So of course, you know, it became a very emotional moment for me. I was crying. I sat down with it. I read it and I was just savoring every word he wrote. I'd never read it. And so I remember reading through it and I only, you know, after like 14 entries, I, there was no pages. So he only made 14 very short entries in this journal. And I was like, wow, you know, it's like, I feel like I found the Holy Grail, you know, and I clung to this book because it was like a piece of him. And I remember as I was going through my grieving process and how sad and lonely and, you know, in grief I was around the whole experience. And I remember wanting to read a book, you know how you try to self-soothe, right? So people go to support groups, people, you know, get counselors, they do whatever they need to do in order to, to get support. Some people throw themselves into work or, you know, whatever. And for me, I wanted to read a book that basically told a love story. I wanted to, you know, just kind of, know that there was somebody else that was feeling the way I felt and then had gone through a similar experience. And so I couldn't find anything like that. All I found was, you know, the seven stages of grief, you know, how to recover from losing your husband, you know, the basic, you know, how-to books, very prescriptive, very, a lot of them done by doctors and things like that. So I was like, yeah, that's not, that's not what I need right now. And so I remember thinking back to his journal and just thinking about how we met and everything we went through. And it just was so like in my face. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to write that story. I want to read that story. So I'm going to write it. And that was how I basically became published is Mm -hmm. I wrote the story of how we met and it's funny. It's sad. It's, you know, it's, honest, very honest. And I decided to publish it. And I remember thinking of his journal and I was that's where the name came from, 14 days. And I interspersed his journal entries in the book. So I feel like we wrote it together, but what was extra special about that whole experience, Pat, was that I felt like a writer. It's like when I finished publishing mm-hmm. that book and when it won an award and when I had it in my hands and, you know, and it, it was my creation. I didn't just write it, but I designed the cover. I laid it out. I mean, it was a, a love project, a passion project for me. It was very, very special. And believe me, I did not have any intention before all this happened of becoming a writer or a published author or what, any of that. It was never on the radar. But I just wanted the world to know the story, even if it was just one person that read the book. And so that was how I got started. And I feel like his, one of his many gifts that my husband Chuck gave me, he gave me the gift of writing. And so once I turned that channel on, I <laughs> can't stop now, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I continued and write, wrote more books and more books. And there's books that I've written that I haven't even published. And, and to this day, I probably spend more time writing than I do doing anything else. Uh, in my, in my business. And I absolutely love it. And it was interesting because after, and I'll just wrap up this very long story, very long answer to your question. uh, After I kind of got the ding, 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 you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm a writer, right? I need to do this more. I immersed myself in learning the craft of writing. Mm -hmm. So I read every book from Stephen King's On Writing to uh, all the books, the prescriptive books on writing nonfiction, and I read like crazy. I just, I love nonfiction and I love self help, and I just like it's just kind of like my world, right? And so that's what helped me gain the confidence in being able to craft something that was consumable and but still allowed me to write and express the way I wanted to express myself. And uh, to this day, it's, it's one of my you know, probably best talents is I've been able to expand that into marketing. So when I help my clients craft their message and write very empathically and you know, really step into their ideal avatar's voice and head and be able to write something that is exactly what that particular target prospect for them really needs to hear and help them create a personal brand that connects with their audience in a very intimate way, because that's what people are looking for now. They want the real deal. They want vulnerability. They want to have a relationship and they don't want to get sucked into some automated machine. So that's kind of you know how it's evolved for me um, over the years and how it got started.
0: What I'm hearing And absorbing, if we go back to the beginning, is that you came from an artistic standpoint, Mm -hmm. trained as an artist. Yes. And then developed your skill as a writer, which makes me think of the people who self-publish their books, but don't have that artistic background. So they produce a book that may have great content, but it repels you when you open up the book because it's so distracting in terms of the layout. I'm thinking about people who try to pad their books with wide margins or they double space the book or they use a horrible font that is hard to read.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And you were able to avoid those traps by having the artistic perspective as well as the writing perspective. So I would imagine if, our reader or our, the person who's watching this podcast or listening to it picked up one of your books. The cover is going to be beautiful. The inside is going to be beautiful. I would suspect that that's true, Terry.
1: Well, I don't want to sound braggadocious, but I I like creating a very professional, easy to consume product. And it's funny because I was smiling as you were saying about you know the covers are are nicely designed because. Uh, several of my books are uh, the Compass Playbook I'm speaking about particularly, and Compass was designed to be a creative problem-solving guide that used the reader's drawing skills, writing skills, imagining skills, mind mapping, so a lot of creative problem-solving exercises, and I have a workbook version, and then I have a companion version that you can use with a, your, your own journal or sketchbook. And the cover of the, the workbook is probably 80% white <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I wanted people to doodle on the cover of the book. And what's really kind of cool about the design is it says compass playbook, Terry Pappy, and then it has a border and around the border are words about creativity. But you have to turn the book to read it.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's it's like a, a physical experience. And I wanted the, the cover to have that blank slate so it invites them to use their imagination and their creativity and their desire to create their future and their mind map and their um you know their uh vision board or or whatever's there. And I loved creating that book. Uh, for that reason. And that whole, you know, I had online courses with it and everything. And it was it was a joy because it's full of prompts. And that's something that I use like all the time. I use it with live coaching with my clients. I use it when I'm trying to extract what a client is trying to create in their business. And I use it as a, a, a coaching challenge in my Monday motivators, which is my uh, newsletter that goes out every week. On Monday to kick off the week on a, a great, great note, inspirational note. And prompts are so powerful because one of the things that's at the root of my approach is I'm not going to be the one to create your experience or your life for you. Yes, I'll be a guide and I'll help you save time and show you some best practices and give you objective feedback. However, You are the creator of your experience. You are the creator of your business. You are the one who's driving that bus. And so I always want to give people a prompt to get them to create, to start thinking and assessing where their blocks are, uh, looking at how they show up in life, because it's really challenging for us to see how we occur we're not objective about our own stuff. That's why it's so hard for us to figure our own business challenges out. That's why we need help like you and like me for people to kind of like, what am I doing wrong? You know, where? why is this not working? And why can't I connect with the people I'm meant to serve? And these types of challenges are typically because we can't see it ourselves. We, we're kind of in the mud so mm-hmm. deep that we're able to deliver when it comes to delivering our value, but when it comes to how we show up in the world and attract the people that we really are meant to serve, it can be obfuscating for us to, you know, really get the advantage point uh, that we need. And you brought up several
0: great points, Terry. I had a conversation with one of the authors who I edited a book for, He's a Romanian pilot with another Romanian co-author who is not a pilot, but they wrote this book together in the voice of the pilot, talking about principles of safety and customer service. And at one point, the co-author said to me, I want to leave a space in this book so that people can fill in this figure that I'm describing in words. And it raised those questions about how comfortable are we in writing in a book? Mm-hmm. People who, were, who went to school in my generation were taught if you put your pen on a book, you know, your hands would be slapped because you had to pass on yes. that book to the next group of students, if you had any stray marks or underlining, that was like detention or a fine, or you know the world was going <laughs> to fall apart. Yeah. (laughs) So when you pick up a pen, and you say, can I put a line on a book that I own? You have to think about is, is there conditioning that prevents you from doing that? So what you did is you invited in your reader to pick up a pen and write on the book. And that breaks some taboos. And I know that the person listening to this is some of, some of you who are listening to this are saying, well, of course you write in books. That, that's why you buy them. That's why you buy workbooks. And others are saying, oh, you know, am I going to pass this book on to somebody else with my underlining and my notes, or am I going to keep this in my library? Is it okay to write in a book? You know, is anyone going to come down, like, slap my knuckles with a ruler for doing this? You clearly took the reader and the purchaser of your book to the realm of, yes, make this your own in what you, in the way that you set this book up. Do you typically, in the books that you've written, encourage people to write in them or was this a, an anomaly in your output?
1: It was part of the strategy. So the strategy was to use prompts to generate creativity and open doors and create aha moments and give people, you know, I believe that if we focus, you know, the brain doesn't know the difference between imagining something and experiencing it real. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that, so I was using a lot of cognitive psychology, neuroscience, you know, leveraging on the neuroplasticity of how, you know, when we learn something, it creates a new neural pathway. So I was bringing in a lot of science into this project. I set it up strategically as a workbook that you do write on and in. And also I had, um, you know, downloadable extra worksheets because obviously if you do the workbook once, and it was one of those, the way I designed it was, it could be used in perpetuity. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily something that you do once and then you're done. It's something you continually can use. So when I created the companion, which basically just has, it's a much smaller book, because it's not a workbook like an eight by 10, like the big one, um, you know, where they don't write in it, I mean, they can highlight stuff if they want, but it's really designed as a reference. So then you have your personal journal, because I don't know about you, but I'm, I love journaling, I, I'm an artist, so I draw a doodle, I do all kind of things. And uh, I like having a lot of journals, different kinds of journals, like Moleskine are my favorites right now. And I like just having that freedom to do it the way I want to do it. And that was one of the strategic points when I put this together: is I want to honor my readers' desire to do it how they want to do it, to use the pens they want to use, to use the journals they want to use, to use it when they want to use it, and so on. And so for the Compass Playbook series, so I did a Kindle version of the Companion, I did a paperback version of the Companion, and a paperback version of the the workbook. And I even did a video on YouTube showing people how to take it to Staples if they wanted to spiral bind it so it would lay flat when they worked on it. But I also designed the book so when you did uh, Used it flat. There was enough margin that you didn't have to get stuck drawing in the crevice of, right. of the bind. Right. Exactly. So I mean, I thought of all these things as I was putting the strategy together for this program, and it came, it came along beautifully. Um, you know, as far as, as all of that working, so it wasn't kind of a knee jerk thing. It was very strategic, very well thought out and planned, and based on all of my experience around what worked for me and how I was using a tool like that with my clients. And it was just exclusive for the Compass Playbook series or brand, if you will. Um, And then after that was, you know, after I created that, um, I created the online courses, which were obviously much more delivered completely differently, but along the same premise. Um, You know, they have live coaching with them and so on. And then I moved on to a new project and that was the Confident Entrepreneur Series of Guides.
0: And one thing that you did, I wanna make sure that our, our listener or our viewer caught is that you gave them downloadable worksheets to replace the ones that they had written on in the book or to be able to use those same exercises again. One of the complaints of independently published authors is that when they sell their books on a platform such as Amazon, they don't know who those purchasers are. Amazon's never gonna give Terry a list of people who bought her book, but if they go to your website and in exchange for their name and email address, they receive additional bonus items, then you have them in your system.
1: Yeah, and that's almost expected in today's nonfiction publishing world. If you're not leveraging your asset that is the book, that is a conduit to create opportunities of awareness, audience build, legitimacy, uh, giving you additional sources of revenue, I mean, there's many ways to leverage your book in business, but if you're not tying it into a lead strategy a marketing strategy a business building strategy where it definitely creates the brand that you are because when people find a a book they love and they just fall in love with it what's the first thing they do they go back and look to see what else that author has written Mm -hmm. and then they start buying their other books and then they have their own library of that author. author excuse me and so you need to think like a reader when you're creating and strategizing your book because if you're not doing that if you're not looking at how that book and i didn't do this with my first book because it was a memoir it was more of a personal like i said passion project for me i wasn't looking at tying it into my business or anything i mean i just needed to get that thing out of me right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh what was really interesting was as i started doing more and more nonfiction, i started realizing Okay, I, how, how can I tie this into what I do um, and, and how I help people? And so that's where, you know, how I approach writing and how I coach my clients who are working on writing books or incorporating the book they have written into their business. This is what they're doing. So I highly, highly recommend it's like a super important strategic move is looking at the entire strategic spectrum of how you're communicating how you're selling your products and services, how you're building your brand and your awareness, because the book is a great tool to leverage that and create opportunities for that to get even wider appeal.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's tempting to get so caught up in the creation process that you see the book as the end. Now I've got the book written. Oops. Now I have to market it. Oh, it's not going to market itself? Oh, now how do I leverage that book? Do I create coaching? Do I create consulting? Do I create a membership program, an online course? Those identify as the the four big revenue opportunities from the book. The first book that I co authored led me to become an expert witness. My expert witness role led me to start a company supplying other experts. That turned into a multi million dollar business from that first opportunity. And I had no concept that my life would take that path when I got together with two other people and we decided to turn our workbook into a textbook those are the things that can happen to you when you write a book. It's not the book. It's what comes from the book. And you've Mm -hmm. just identified series of books that you've built for your business that have attracted customers to you and led to other books and other opportunities.
1: And one thing I want to add on to that is if you approach it from that perspective strategically, and holistically as it relates to the rest of your business and what you're really trying to provide your audience, your clients, your readers, all the people who are participating and consuming what you have to offer, it will actually shift, not in every case, but it will shift how you write the book. Mm. And your entire tone will shift you will become more speaking to them as a partner versus, here's my opinion. So it's like the readers almost become co-writers with you when you approach it that way. And I think that that is a a beautiful way to write because who are we writing for? You know, we're not like me where we're just writing it for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. We're writing it in order to accomplish something. So... If we're writing it in order to accomplish something, yes, that's self-serving and we're trying to grow our business and we're trying to be you know, business-minded about it and operationally-minded about it. However, the most important component that a writer needs to consider and a business owner needs to consider is the reader-slash-client or reader-slash-customer. And when we leave them out of what we're creating, it'll always be a struggle. It'll always be challenging to find ways to market or talk about, or, and it it won't do the heavy lifting it can do when you leave those components out, when you leave that reader out, that future client of yours or that future customer of yours.
0: Well, let's wrap up, Terry, with having you answer the question of how can people find out more about you, your services, and your books where would they head
1: well they can go to amazon.com and they can just type in terry pappy t-e-r-r-y p-a-p-p-y i definitely have one of the coolest last names Mm -hmm. (laughs) easy to spell yeah and you can just google terry pappy to get all my good stuff online or if you'd like you can go to pappyclub.com that's p-a-p-p-y-c-l-u-b.com i also have great fun videos on YouTube. My YouTube channel is YouTubeterri.com. And I'd love to have you be a subscriber. So uh, I'm happy to talk to any of your listeners if they have more questions about what we talked about today, or they need some tips on how to integrate their book in with their marketing and their overall business development. And I'm just thrilled that I was able to have this conversation with you, Pat.
0: Well, thank you, Terry. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you who's been watching this program on YouTube or listening to it on our audio channels. Be sure to go to patyer.com, pick up your free reports and subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you get notified of new episodes. Thanks so much. This is Pat Eyre and I have been speaking with Octavian Pontish about the book that he co-authored with Emil Dobrovolsky who is a Romanian pilot. Can you tell our listener or our viewer, Octavian, what were some of the key points that we just covered in the podcast?
2: Uh, Sure, Pat, it was a great discussion. We covered many things. We talked about how you organize your thoughts, uh, if you want to write the book. Obviously, there's many things you want to do. So how do you organize the thoughts? How do you organize the, the stories you want to tell? How do you build the structure of the book? How do you pitch the publisher, for instance? We talked about the process of then actually writing the book, especially because this was a book authored by two people, diverse experiences, diverse backgrounds, but we came together and we uh, have a very nice end product. So how did we do that? And we also talked about uh, how we launched the book and we had actually two types of launch. One was more centered on a physical space, on a country, on a city before COVID, how you do that, or even now after the pandemic when people can get to meet, but also how do you launch it online and how do you take advantage of the fact that the world is a smaller place. So it was a very interesting discussion. I look forward to uh, having your feedback if you watch the show.
0: Thank you, Octavian. be sure to catch his podcast as we talk about the book, The Dark Cockpit. And the lessons that are learned from aviation that can be applied to leadership in a variety of settings. Be sure to catch this podcast and tell a couple of other people about writing to get business.
2: Thank you. Take care.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for writers at writingtogetbusiness.com. That is W-R-I-T-I-N-G-T-O-G-E-T-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S W-R-I-T-I-N-G-T-O-G-E-T-U-S-I-N-E-S.com. Coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs work with Pat so they can get more business by writing and sharing their expertise. Check out Pat's resources on writingtogetbusiness.com.